Now, Christianity has its 13th apostle, a faithful witness to the love, mercy, and truth of Jesus Christ. How about you? Will you be the 13th apostle? Here, take a look at the Holy Family, ladies and gentlemen. Take a closer look. See if they're so different from us. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Thirteenth Apostle. We explore the good, the beautiful, and the true of the Catholic faith and the Catholic Church. This is Tom Caffrey, believe it or not. <clears throat> my voice and uh, my co-host Dan Duddy. Thank you, Dan. Hey, Tommy. Miss, I miss your voice, but there's something cool about uh, sounding like Harry Belafonte a little bit. I always like the Banana Boat song. Yeah. Maybe next week we'll uh, fire that up. <laughs> next week you'll be better. You won't sound like him anymore. You'll sound even better. You'll sound like Tom Caffrey. Oh, man. The man, You're the lift to God's ears. The legend. <laughs> we'll get there, Tommy. Hang in there, brother. All right. So um, do you ever imagine, I know you went through the spiritual exercises, mm -hmm. St. Ignatius, that I'm going through now. And we can talk about Electio Divina, where either way you put yourself into the scene. Can you imagine uh, being with the Holy Family at any time, whether they're on their way to Bethlehem or any time, any time, really, any time? Mm -hmm. mm. That's a uh, pretty powerful question. Can we imagine being there? And I think, I think we need to say yes to that. I think we need to uh, get past the no. I just can't imagine that because we're called to imagine it and to relate to it and kind of dive in there with them. And, you know, heading into this episode and having last Sunday's uh, celebration or feast of, of the Holy Family, you know, we find if we allow ourselves to sit back, we find our, uh, with a lot of likenesses. And, you know, the key question that I've been blessed with since then is what does holiness look like it's a statement and, and, and it's a question but i'm talking more so the statement and it's really it's really a statement to live by but if you go to the question part you really got to think about what does holiness look like and we're talking about the holy family here and uh, i was compelled and you know you and i go back and forth and what it is that we'd like to perhaps talk about as the episodes come up and having been at Mass on Sunday and having been uh, <laughs> invaded by uh, my five grandsons out of South Carolina for the past seven days, uh, and then a whole lot of family, I was compelled to, you know, to talk about this. And you're a wonderful family man yourself. So, I, I, you know, I reached out and I did some homework on such, and I'm going uh, to be talking more than you today because you've got to rest that voice, doctor's orders. Uh, but chime in, of course, whenever you feel like it. But I, I reached out to our friend Jeff Cavins. And I call him friend loosely, but, but uh, I mean, he, I'm surely his a friend, his mm -hmm. brother in Christ. But we had him uh, on an interview early on when you and I first started uh, doing radio. Right. Uh, I believe Jeff is a uh, he's a convert, is he not? That's my recollection. Yeah, and another convert, Keith Nestor, who I've come to really like. I like his fundamental simplicity, and with regards to. Uh, you know, the Holy Family. And so, you know, I borrowed from them a little bit, and that's what we're all called to do under the uh, that wonderful, uh, exciting influence of the Holy Spirit who, who unites us among all. 
Cavens goes right to Luke 2, 41, and I'm going to go to it because it's going to bring the reality of what you're talking about. You know, can we, should we relate? You know, can we imagine ourselves with them? Let's imagine ourselves with the pilgrimage uh, to Jesus in the temple. Every year his parents used to go to Jerusalem for the Feast of Passover that I'm reading from Luke. And when Jesus was 12 years old, they made the journey as usual for the feast. When the days of the feast were over and they set off for home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents were not aware of this. Assuming that he was somewhere in the group of travelers, they journeyed for a day. Then they started to look for him and among the relatives and friends. But when they failed to find him, they returned to Jerusalem to search for him. After three days, they found him in the temple. That's three long days, right, Tom? I lost a, a little guy in, a, in a, a grocery store for 15 minutes. It was the worst time of my life. But after three days, they found him in the temple where he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Hold that thought and asking them questions. And I'll come back to that. And all who heard him were amazed at his intelligence and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been searching for you with great anxiety. And Jesus said to them, why were you searching for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? But they did not comprehend what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was obedient to them. His mother pondered all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in age and in grace with God and men. What Jeff Cavins was telling me through a presentation he made was the, the Holy Family made about three pilgrimages per year to Jerusalem, but they were always surrounded by, like, you know, the village. You know how we like to say our children are raised by the village. It takes a village to raise a child. Mm-hmm. And it was a very trusting, loving, like, truly extended family of very, very, very dear friends and many cousins. And once again, we'll just say extended family. And that caravan was, it was fun. And and you're, you're a great Psalms guy. And they would sing out loud the Psalms of Ascent. You know, they'd sing their songs all the way there and back. And, you know, on their way to, you know, the, the spectacular Jerusalem, which is in the Psalms itself. And But what Cavins brought up was in teaching, the teaching style of the day. And, of course, the greatest teacher of all was the mother. The mother taught him to pray. And that was Our Lady herself. Was that they would, young men or young children would go through three phases. and he digs in more in the third phase. But the first phase he called the house of the book. The second is traditions and word of God. But the third was questions. This is how that goes. So a good professor of the day or teacher or, you know, rabbi would ask a question. Well, just keep it simple. Say, say he asks, uh, how much is two plus two? Well, the student would say simply two plus two is four, but that's not enough. That's not a good answer. A real good, solid, well thought out answer that shows knowledge and wisdom, the answer would be, the question once again is, what is 2 plus 2? The answer would be, what is the square root of 16? So now now the student is showing complete ownership of the knowledge by way of questions. So when you go back to Luke, Luke 2.41, and he's in the temple, I'll repeat it. After three days, they found him in the temple where he was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. So you can imagine the teachability that our Lord had with his questions because they were astonished. I don't think they were so astonished that 
he was simply answering their questions, two plus two equals four. He was saying, well, what is the square root of 16? I can't imagine what his provoking answers were at that time because they were amazed with his intelligence and his answers. In the true motherly heart here with the Holy Family, we must hang on to this deeply. His mother, his mother knew, obviously, by the sheer nature of herself being the mouth of deception, but moreover, conceived by the Holy Spirit, the angels and Joseph and so forth, that she pondered all these things in her motherly heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in age and in grace with God and men. I'll take a break and leave that to you before I continue. But well, you know, we are so we don't know after the temple. We this is where we get into the Ignatian contemplation, which is imagination. What was Jesus what was the Holy Family's life like between that experience and his public ministry? Uh, you know, we're talking almost 20 years uh, later. And the whole point of the Ignatian exercise is, in this segment, is to know Christ better, to love Christ more, and to serve him more. Because if you get to know somebody, develop a relationship with them, uh, you know, there's so many... Uh, uh, the experience of Christmas has been, we'll call it saccharine, saccharinized, you know, and the, you know, we, he must have, obviously he spent time with his father, Joseph, and I mean, the example you gave suggests some humility as well, where he's asking questions, he's interested in these older men, or old men, some of them. Um and I think that um, we we should spend some time. It's we can go by two things: one, our imagination, and one what one by what we've read and heard, what we learn about what it's like to be a Jew in first-century Palestine. So we know other than the basic aspects of being alive eating, drinking, and stuff like that, we can imagine what Mary made for his meals. You know, we can imagine what the bread smelt like as it was being baked. You know, we can imagine what the lamb must have smelled like it was on the slow burn. And Joseph and Jesus working hard. And you know, if they were around, they smelled those smells, those aromas. You know, they joking around. You know, like you and me. And um, and so I think that you know we can forget. We can just all we can do is you know we can say, okay, well this is what we've read in the sacred scripture, and you you spoke the, the readings. And part of the readings, you know, so often go to Luke, um, and as we should, obviously. But then we should, again, it's to know Jesus better and to know 
to have some idea how many times did he go to the rabbis? You know, how many times did he go to the temple uh, to listen and learn and then to share and to prepare himself? You know, he just didn't snap his finger and suddenly he goes from 12 to 30 and begins his public ministry. And he was formed. I mean, there's no reason to not think that what he did as defined by sacred scripture, where, as you said, you know, praying the Psalms and whatnot. Jesus prayed the Psalms. I mean, he would have known the Psalms. And so to, to praise God, constantly praise God, you know, you pray, he would have been the epitome of what Paul, St. Paul talked about was pray without ceasing. And, uh, you know, so I think that it's good for us to spend some time sitting, like you say, in the silence and use our imagination. God gave us the imagination. How was how Jesus formed? Yeah, there's no doubt. You know, it's kind of like, you know, we, we, we go to retreats, we listen to a lot of talks, we, you know, we, we give talks, but it's that silent those silent hours that, that we get where we walk through the woods or whatever. And, you know, where we can really listen to the silence and our imagine we have an imagination for a reason. And I am absolutely sure beyond a doubt that from, from the, uh, our Lord being lost in the temple onward to his ministry, that's a big, long silent. Yes. That fills that gap. And that yes comes from us. And so th- all those years is where we are saying yes to the invitation of Christ. And we get that invitation through, as you just said, for our imagination. We're human. Christ was fully human, and he was fully divine. So there's a magnificent spiritual ligament between Christ and God the Father. You know, our Lord says it many times, I am the way to the Father. And the beautiful mother who pondered all these things in her heart was the lig- is the ligament between us and Christ himself. So we are in the family. We are in the lineage on our way to heaven. We, to the mother, to the son, who is also the father, by way of the mystery of the Holy Trinity, onto the father himself. So, but it's in that, yes, and Joseph really gives a, a, an incredible, it's laughable, an incredible yes. It's the second greatest, greatest yes of all time, right behind Mary's to be the leader, the provider, the protector that he exemplifies for us. And we have Mary's yes first, and of course then we have Joseph, which really gives us our masculinity, the leader, the provider, and the protector. And that's the yes that fills the void, because what happens to Joseph after that, Tom? We don't know, do we? We know that he said, Mary, we got to go. We got to get out of here. Follow me. Let's go. I said yes to this. Now let's go. And she did which really goes to the gospel of the day. You know, we have complementary roles as, as husband, fathers, wives, uh, mothers, and children to fit the complementary role of, you know, women to be submissive to their husbands and husbands to be loving servant leaders. Not that women are to be abused by their husbands, never. But, you know, but the complementary roles is what really makes the world go around and really truly sanctifies life. But those three characters, when you really think about the hearts of each and you hang your hats on the fundamental truth of them, for example, once again, all these things were pondered in the mother's heart. Wow. I mean, 
you know, I can say the same about my wife. You can say the same about, you know, uh, you uh, as Joseph saying, let's go. You know, Kevin O'Reen, let's go. I got to take care of you. I'm taking you to the doctor. You know, the, all these yeses are, are what really fills that gap. Uh, and we hope for growth and direction. And that's exactly what our Lord was doing in, in the temple. And uh, our Lord himself, Jesus Christ, got, uh, fully divine as well. So what a, what a great example. And then the Old Testament reading was is Sirach, and I think we're, we're running out a little bit of time, right? But I won't go into it in full words, but it's, it's all about the Lord honored the Father above the children. And whoever honors his father will be gladdened by his own children. We have to hear that again. Whoever honors his father will be gladdened by his own children. So what goes around comes around is what's being said. And whoever glorifies his father will have a long life. And whoever obeys the Lord will refresh his mother. So, I mean, this is, this is like a, an incredible integration of love and kindness that Paul talks about in Colossians in the New Testament reading that follows. So how can we honor God the Father if we can't honor our own dad? I mean, it's the third commandment. I mean, there's a reason why the first three commandments are directly related to the Father, including keep holy the Sabbath. And then, bam, right after the third, it's we must honor our parents. There is holiness. It's kind of like a refined legacy. Like, what does holiness look like? It starts with the holy family, which I firmly believe is the domestic church. That's where the church started. It came to blossom in the in the ministry, but that's the domestic church. That's the first tabernacle. That's Our Lady's womb. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we could also, you know, we have two great models in the uh, infancy narrative, um, you know, with the presentation. And we talked about Simeon and Anna. You know, and how how devout uh, they were. I mean, they're living through the Roman occupation, you know, and um, they kept hoping for the deliverance of Israel. And it, you know, what you what you get from sacred scriptures, Anna and Simeon, you know, they remained faithful to God's promise. You know, to that covenant, they didn't know when. So you can imagine they were both elderly. When it says Anna was eighty-four, you know what what it must have been like for them that they perceive that this infant that's brought to them. He's their deliverer. I know. It's it had to have been mind blowing what what Simeon brought to the Holy Family and the witness of Anna and her absolute holiness and the prophet you know, the prophetess that she that she was, uh, they truly gave an identity in their revelations and their prophecy to the Holy Family. And that the Holy Family from that point moving forward. I don't know how much they really needed it, but it was absolutely uh, probably the most divine affirmations of all, where they then had the identity of the Holy Family and, and that they belonged to God. And, and we, like our families, we belong to God too. But once again, what does holiness look like? We must live our family lives like in, in truth. We belong to God in the same way that Simeon and uh, Anna affirmed that. In the same way, the same divine way, to the Holy Family, would it? And we're not dealing with a, 
an occupying force. You know, the... Uh, let's remember, our dear friends out there listening, the, the Roman occupiers, they were just brutal. And they actually, there's references to them running out of trees because they use crucifixion so often. Uh, and if they've typically reserved that for those who are a threat to the state. You know, it's like kind of like the translation is not that good from Greek to English of the men, one on each side of our Lord when he's on the cross. And it refers to them as thieves, but the better translation is bandits. And the bandits were revolutionaries in a way, and they wanted to overthrow the occupiers. Uh, so the crucifixions were reserved mainly for people who were a threat to the state. And so Simeon and Anna would have known that. And they persevered. You know, it's like uh, I've seen I've read references to where their eyes were opened when Joseph and Mary brought in the baby. So somehow the Lord conveyed to them who this was, was their deliverer. Now, like the great masons uh, building the cathedrals, most of them would never see it to its completion. And it's uh, very unlikely that Simeon and Anna would have seen Jesus into his public ministry and his death and resurrection. Yeah, she was mid-80s, right? Yeah. And uh, he was still 20 years away, 25 years away, so, probably 20 years away. Yeah. You know, they they just, they had absolute faith. Again, their eyes were open, their hearts were open. And uh, so this is the great examples for us. You know, again, we, we don't typically think, we probably don't think of Simeon and Anna. But we should. Uh, we're more like them than we are like the Holy Family. Uh, and uh, I, whatever oppressions we have in our lives, pick any struggle that people have, people in our audience have. Simeon and Anna struggled, yeah. but they persevered. Yeah, and we're, we're, we're not called to be the Holy Family, but we're called to be like the Holy Family. And, you know, those virtues from Colossians were pretty simple. It's, it, it, it's, it just all stems from love, kindness, and forgiveness. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I, I think of the paintings and whatnot. Uh, obviously, there's, we can't count how many paintings there have been of the Holy Family mm. over the centuries. Um, but of course, the, their holiness is conveyed. And I think with Simeon and Anna, I think we have to spend some time with them to say, you know, eh, you don't have as many paintings. There's not as many paintings of you as there are the Holy Family. But we can certainly perhaps identify with, with them, persevere, remain faithful. All right, Danny. We are coming up to the to the to time limit. 
Yeah. Uh, if we don't commit to belonging to God, then we will immediately belong to the world. Uh, mm. Amen, Tommy. It's great to hear your voice. It'll come back. Stay tuned, folks, for uh, the Angelus and your prayer intentions with Peter and Jimmy. WQPHradio.org. Thanks to the crew, Marianne, Jean, James, Tom, and others. Happy and healthy and holy New Year to everybody. To you, Danny. God bless you, brother. God bless you, Tommy. God bless you all. So we want to let you know how much we appreciate all your support you've given us through the years. We have an Eternal Life Radio Guild. And what does the Guild do? The Eternal Life Radio Guild contributes monthly or quarterly what they can afford to give. Our smallest one is $5 a month. $10 a month. We have people who have given us $30 a month that don't listen in even the radio area because they know the value of evangelizing and telling the truth as it really is, as our faith taught us. Our Mother Angelica would say, keep us between your electric and your gas bill. We need to make the same request. I know some of you support EWTN and that's very good, but don't forget, we have a cell tower that we have to pay every month. The bill is now going from $1,100 a month $1,400 a month. And that's a lot of $5 contributions. Maybe you've been blessed and you sold a piece of property and you want to tithe something for God. What more could you give God but Catholic Radio in our area? We serve three prisons. We have a lot of people listening uh, that are older, they're homebound, uh, they're in nursing homes. We really need to reach out to more people. So if you can contribute, there's two ways. One is to go on our website and hit the PayPal button and you can donate. If you'd like to be a member of the Guild, you can let us know. You can call us at our station, 978-343-0893. Or you can write to us at Post Office Box 589, Medford, Mass. And by the grace of God, we are just able to send out a big mailing of 1,800 letters to our supporters but we need to hear from you. I know if even if you can say a prayer, that's going to help us. But a donation is very much appreciated right now. So you can send that donation if you're going to mail it to WQPH Radio, Post Office Box 589, Medford, Mass. 02155. Thank you for listening to The 13th Apostle with Dan Duddy and Tom Caffrey. For more information on Dan, visit his website at www.danduddy.com or email dcduddy at gmail.com Tom's website is faithpilgrims.com or email trcaffrey at faithpilgrims.com How about you? Will you be the 13th Apostle?